everybody, welcome back. This is episode three of First Time Outdoors. I'm Mike. I'm Jake. And we're going to be uh, talking about some uh, fall fishing opportunities, so uh, stay tuned. Um, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks guys. Yeah, so uh, we're talking about late September here, early October. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, summer has come and gone. The uh, spring and summer fishing opportunities that most people are familiar with uh, has, yeah, again, come and gone. Um, but I think there's still a lot of opportunity to get into some really good fishing in the Midwest and around the country. But uh, we're based out of the Midwest, so we're going to kind of focus on some of those opportunities here. Um, the fall presents some really great opportunities to get out and catch some, some cool fish that are a little trickier to find in the, in the hot summer months. So, uh, we're going to talk about muskies first and foremost today. Uh, Mike, you, I think we alluded to in episode one, muskies is kind of your big passion. Mm -hmm. Um, what does it take? Uh, like kind of what are muskies doing? Let's, let's, let's start there. What are, what's the musky pattern right now in, uh, early to mid fall in the upper Midwest? What, what does that look like? Uh, that's a good question. So, uh, I actually get asked pretty frequently, uh, from people that maybe, uh, I've worked with in the past or I've seen my Instagram page where I have a lot of fish pictures and a lot of them show up this time of year. So uh, when they ask me, you know, I want to catch a muskie, can you take me or how should I do it? Typically, my answer is wait till the fall. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is uh, when the water temperatures start to drop. So uh, once they get to, you know, typically water temperatures in Minnesota, they'll peak at about 80 degrees. Uh, that's usually end of July. And then through August and September, as that water temperature starts to fall, so we're at now water temperatures in Minnesota about 65 degrees, the muskies are starting to move shallow again. Uh, they're finding weed cover, and that's because a lot of the bait fish that they've been kind of um, preying upon out in deep water all summer has moved shallow. So they're following the bait fish. Okay, so it's not, it's they're following the bait fish. Are they? Is there any reason that like in July they can't handle being shallow from a temperature standpoint? Because I would imagine that that shallow water would lead to warmer water. So they're staying. Are they staying cooler and deeper? Oh, that's a good question. So or is it just basically following bait fish? It certainly depends on the lake. Mm -hmm. But speaking from the lakes that I'm the most familiar with. Um, which are typically clear lakes, uh, they they tend to move and they suspend over cooler water, yep. deeper water. Um, and the reason for that is not necessarily what they tolerate, but what the bait fish that they're eating tolerates. So when the water temperatures are high, musky metabolism goes up. So they're eating a lot more in the summer than they are in the fall. They're just not in a place that's as easy to find. Hmm. So typically in the summer, they're going to be sitting out in deep water and they're, they're, um, they might be in 30, 40 feet of water, but they're only, you know, maybe six to 10 feet down. And what they're doing is they're just waiting for like Cisco's and Tulabees to move up into their range. Hmm. And they just kind of pick them up as they come to the surface. But in the fall, uh, they're, the bait is starting to move shallow. So suckers, things like that are going to be in the shallow water and they're going to, the muskies will tuck themselves up in the weeds. 
And shallow, what do, you, what do you mean by shallow? Let's give a context oh, of good, kind yeah. of uh, how shallow we're talking. Well, it could really, de- I mean, it could be anywhere between two and, and the lake I fish the most, uh, 16 feet of water, okay. 18 feet of water, um, post frontal. So like right after a storm or a cold front comes through, they're going to be even more shallow sitting up on sand, maybe two to four feet. Um, otherwise, they're deeper. Um, deeper weeds um but the fall poses a a really interesting method for catching fish the catching the fish because the the um the figure of speech that goes with muskies or the rule of thumb is that's a fish of ten thousand casts right so you've got to put in a lot of time a lot of casts. I must be up to about five. <laughs> five thousand. I feel casts. like I'm halfway there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta keep going. But in the fall, you can catch them without casting. Mm. Um, and you can do it with little um, input of cost. Musky fishing is an, is uh, can be a really expensive hobby because the lures you're fishing with are twenty five to fifty dollars on average wow. you know and it can be up to 200 something you know, i've seen on places like the musky flea market on facebook where people are posting lures that are on sale for like 200 dollars, which is outrageous you know so if you're trying to get into musky fishing do not spend that kind of money on on lures that it, it, you know you lose one of them yeah it it hurts pretty bad yeah, so yeah. i don't i've i've never spent that kind of money on lures but uh in the fall Great ways to go after them. You don't have to have a fancy boat. You don't have to have all the electronics, you know, the thousands of dollars worth of electronics. You don't even have to have a trolling motor. Really what you want to do is find uh, weed edges, so points. So it doesn't even have to be a point that's on the shore, but if you can if you can identify structure in the lake where there's maybe like a sandbar that's surrounded by weeds that's sticking out into deeper water, muskies are typically going to be sitting on that because they still like to be adjacent to big water. Okay. So slide up and they'll slide back down. Um, so without, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but like without a equi- fancy equipment, that's something I've always struggled with, right? Sure. Like I don't have a boat with electronics. Yep. So patterning a lake can be really difficult. Like, do you have any cheap resources for people to figure out what depth changes look like? Mm-hmm. How, how would somebody even, you know, you drive around in a boat or walk around shore of a lake. You don't know what yeah. we, where weed edges are. How do you kind of find that? Um, I use an app on, um, I think it's both for iPhone and Android, but it's a Navionics app. It's a okay. free app. So you can search that on that app store. Um, it'll ask you if you want the pro version, which I think is like 10 bucks a month, or if you want the free one. I use the free one because all I really need from it is the lake contours. And so that is really uh, clear. It's it's typically up to date. You can share information if you have the pro version for uh, with different people that you might fish with. Like, hey, I marked a fish here, or I had a follow in this spot, or I caught a fish in this spot. You can share that. But what I typically use it for is I'm just looking at what's the lake contour, mm-hmm. and I also use it to to mark where I've caught fish in the past. So then I can identify on the lake and other spots similar looking pieces of structure. Sure. That's a good idea. Um, I want to throw out there too a method that is really sort of bootstrapping and that I have not done myself, but I learned from a buddy um, years ago, one of my 
good high school buddies, Mitch, he, uh, on a lake that he grew up on, I was fishing with him one time and he brought his snorkel and some fins in the boat. It was July, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful time to be in swimming around the lake. And he took the opportunity to go dive down and literally get underwater with the fish and see what he was, see what the bank edge looked like underwater. And I think that that's like a really, that's a cool way to, you don't need any equipment. You don't need an app. You don't need anything. You need to know what lake you want to fish at and go look at it. It doesn't get more hands on than that. Um, So that, that could be an option too for people. Just kind of see what weeds are there. If there's any rocks or boulders, points, edges, sand bottom, whatnot, it's one way to do it. Yeah. So the, um, in the fall, typically the gear that we want to use is you want to first, first of all, you want a heavy rod. So, so something like eight foot long and something that'll cast up to like a 16 ounce bait or a 12 ounce bait. And so that, that's a heavy lure. But in the fall, big baits is where they're at. I mean, that's, that's what the muskies want because they don't eat often. But basically what they're trying to do is like pack on the cheeseburgers before a long winter of not eating. So you want to present to them large, large baits. And so you're going to be casting um, things like uh, Magnum Bulldogs, um, which are made by Musky Innovations. You could be casting uh, a Chaos Tackle Medusa, Husky Medusas. Uh, these are rubber swim baits, or um, kind of like a jerk bait, actually, that you cast out and you um, kind of do like a pull pause retrieve with. Um, they're going to be hitting large crankbaits, 12 to 14 inch crankbaits that you're reeling in really, really slowly. Um, and then bucktails. And muskies kind of eat bucktails all year. Uh, but. That can be a, a really effective way of catching fish. In, in in our boat, if we're fishing three people, typically we've got one person that's always throwing blades, so bucktails. We've got one person that's always throwing a bulldog or a medusa or something like that. Um, and then we have somebody that's maybe throwing a swim bait, like a, like a swimming dog by Muskie Innovations or a Poseidon by Chaos Tackle, something like that, or a Fart Zonker um, McRubber which is another great swim bait, something like that, or a crankbait, large crankbaits or a glider, glide baits. Um, And as you get further into the fall and as that water temperature drops more and more, typically you want to keep slowing down your presentation and increasing the size of your lures. Once you get to about 60 degrees of water is when I like to start sucker fishing. Mm. So basically what you're doing is bobber fishing for muskies at that point. This is back to the not casting. For yeah, muskies. this is yeah, so now we've come back to the not casting. So you can catch them not casting. And in the fall for us it's actually a really productive way of catching fish and it can be extremely fun because cool. you're seeing fish. And what does that method lot. look like? Can you lay out the the method of sucker fishing? So typically what we do in Minnesota we have a uh, the laws that you can only have one rod per person when you are open water fishing. So if you've got two people casting and a third person in the boat in the fall, we've got one of those rods hooked up to a sucker. So it's in a rod holder on the side of the boat and you've got maybe eight feet of line and we use a hundred pound or 80 pound power pro line or 
um, suffix or, I mean, beast braid. There's all sorts of different braids, but 80 to 100 pound braided line. And then to that, we use a big slip bobber. And um, actually... Big, you mean like a balloon size? Yeah, I mean like a, like a slip bobber that's like the size of a softball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you could use a balloon, which we've done in the past. Mm-hmm. We've tied a balloon, you know, blow it up to about the size of a softball and you tie it up on the line, which works great because uh, sometimes those bobbers don't slide. And so what you could do is just pop the balloon as it gets closer and you can get it up that first guide of your rod, mm-hmm. which works really well. Um, and then below that balloon or that bobber, you've got about maybe four to six feet of line. And then you've got a, a 16, 20 inch sucker minnow live that's on a harness. And the harness has got either a nose clip or a, a hook through the nose and then a large treble hook on each side of the body. So when a muskie sees it, they grab that sucker and typically you let it kind of munch on it a little bit and then you turn the boat to get in good position and then you set the hook and you you know it's basically bobber fishing for muskies yeah um it's a really productive way of catching muskies we really like it in the fall because if we have a follow so muskies uh they are really well known for following lures to the boat so when they do that, you call that a follow. Mm-hmm. You get a follow fishing that you call that a success. You know, you go out fishing, you see one muskie that followed your bait. That's a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. Um, in the fall, you typically get a lot of follows. And if you are bringing in, let's say I'm casting a bulldog and I bring it into the boat and there's a muskie following it, I do a figure eight in the boat, which is an eight, literally a figure eight that I'm doing with my rod tip in the water to get that, give that muskie a little bit of extra time to either think that bait's escaping um and you leave about like three or four feet of line out not even i mean i'm reeling basically right up to the top of the leader okay so just to give that muskie a little bit of extra time or to make it look like that fish is trying to escape mm-hmm. um, but in the fall if that muskie sees there's a sucker there it's really common for that muskie to kind of peel off of that figure eight and go right to that sucker okay it sees live bait See, so the live minnow versus, you know, that's sitting pretty stationary versus something that's trying to get away. And the fall muskies are pretty lazy. The water temperature's cold, so they're a little bit more slow moving. They're going to take the easy fatty meal. Um, and that works really well. I mean, you can, you can, you could go out, have three people in the boat and just kind of tool real slowly around the weed edges and just find the weed edge wherever that is in the lake and just go real slowly you know less than a mile per hour and just let those suckers run right next to the weeds Mm -hmm. um it's a really easy way of finding muskies and really fun because you're setting the hook in a fish that's like six feet under your right, right underneath your feet and that uh real short uh kind of chaotic yeah. fight is is pretty fun and you say you can often see them like as they approach so the excitement there is really strong it's yeah like, it's a crazy moment for me that's that's the best chance that i have of getting a first time musky fisherman on a fish so a good example of that was a couple of falls ago we were we were catching fish um pretty often pretty regularly in that fall we had we'd caught a 
you know, four or five 49 inches, a 48 incher. We were on fire. And my cousin came up to the cabin the next weekend was like, Hey, I want to give this a try. I was like, perfect. We've got some suckers. Let's go. And, uh, so we went out and we got to the spot. I dropped the trolling motor, hooked the, grabbed the sucker, put the sucker harness on. Um, I'll someday do a tutorial on how to do that. And then put it in the water and grabbed my fishing rod and walked to the front of the boat. And I turned around and was like, there's a muskie on it <laughs> right now. And you could just see it. They, they sometimes will just sit there facing that sucker is looking at it and they'll look at it for, you know, it could be a few seconds before they take it or they could sit there and stare at it for two hours as you're continue going down the, the, uh, weed line. This particular one grabbed it right away and, uh, it dropped it. So my tip here would be if you're fighting the muskie and, the muskie comes off, let's go the sucker leave the sucker in the water because it's a pretty good chance. It's happened to me multiple times where that muskie comes back, picks it up again. And that's what happened in this case. So she was fighting this muskie for a couple minutes. It came off and you know, it's a lot of disappointment. Oh man, shoot. What do we do? And I was like, just leave it. And, uh, it came back and it grabbed it and we ended up getting in the net. It was like not a huge fish. It was like 43 or 44 inches. But for someone's first fish, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Especially because she had only fished for muskies for a total of 10 minutes yeah. at that point. So it's a really cool way of getting people um, interested, um, especially when you're seeing fish. It's, it's pretty amazing to see something that a predator fish of that size um, that close and to watch it eat is pretty cool. Do you have any tips? I mean, because... Bobber fishing can at times be the, one of the more enticing and fast-paced types of fishing, right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're in crappies and you've really found fish, it's it's great. That's what we use to get kids involved in fishing. It's visual, but I've certainly been on the other end of things where you're sitting over a bobber all day and nothing's happening. Do you have any thoughts about how to you know if we're talking about first timers or people that want to try out? Uh, fishing with suckers for muskies how to stay engaged how to stay present and how to like you know keep the eye on the prize during that process because when you're casting you know you're moving you think that there's more things you can do to manipulate the presentation to try different areas dragging a sucker um, has a certain monotony to it Mm -hmm. at times what do you what do you think about that that's a good question i think in my experience with people that are new, typically I'm keeping them engaged by sharing stories of previous things just to make sure that they're always, you know, thinking of best case scenarios. Um, but I, I will be the first to tell you that musky fishing is a game of patience. Mm-hmm. And so I've even gone through stages. I'm like, what am I doing out here? This is just a complete waste of my time. I haven't seen a fish in months you know, um, so I think the way that you keep them engaged is that, um, for one, watching the sucker swimming around is pretty cool because they will, their mannerisms will tip off if there's something nearby before you even see it. Mm. So if you're looking at your sucker and all of a sudden it's making a run for the surface or it's 
making a run for the weed line. There's probably something around, um, which is super cool to see. Um, but typically when you're sucker fishing, you see a lot of muskies. Even if a muskie's not hungry, typically it's going to come out and take a look. You know, I might come look at it and then swim off like, yeah, not today or I'll wait till later or something that's easier or something smaller or whatever they goes through their heads. But you see a lot of fish, which is really cool. Okay. Um, or what you can do, which is something that we've done, is we just rotate. You know, you're on the sucker now. If Typically, that's your best shot at catching a fish. So it's not like, oh, man, I got to sit here and watch sucker. Typically, that you have the best odds mm-hmm. in that position. Um, but if you're just getting bored of just sitting there, then let's switch. Somebody else start casting and somebody else sit down for a little while. Um, and there's nothing to say that you can't just go back for a little bit, take a break, you know, yep. grab something to drink, grab a snack, take a nap for a couple hours, go back out. Um, but always but, be always have in your mind that a 50, 52 inch fish is it's possible. Yeah. You could catch a fish of a lifetime. That's yeah. one of the beauties of musky fishing is that you never know what could be on the end of your line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like basically there are a variety of equipment needs, but you can keep things relatively simple. You, you mm-hmm. laid out a couple, maybe three different types of bait options, four if you include the suckers mm-hmm. that you might want to throw, uh, and a heavy rod. Yeah, what other bait casting reel basic equipment might someone need to get into the musky game um thinking the most basic things yeah um yeah so the first thing i'll say again is that you a a heavy rod you know extra heavy something that'll um throw heavy baits you're gonna need a big reel so you can you can find big big Bait casting reels. A good example of a of a real hardy, relatively inexpensive reel is like an Abu Garcia um, Ambassador C3, like fifty five hundred size. That's a great reel for musky fishing. You know, and they're sixty, eighty bucks somewhere in there. Um, you can find used ones everywhere. Um, you'll for sure need a net, a big net. Mm. Um, you don't want an undersized net for one uh you want to make sure you can get the whole fish in there but two uh, once the fish is in there they're typically not real happy to be in that net and they they thrash and they twist and they spin and um a smaller net can really do some damage to a fish rip its fins up and um hurt its gills or its its mouth gets caught up in the net and um, can be a pretty bad situation. So a bigger net is better for the fish. Um, you will need, um, we'll go back to the fishing rod and we'll say it again, you know, 80 pound braided line, uh, leader that's a hundred pound, uh, fluorocarbon leader or bigger. You can use a steel leader, but I like fluorocarbon leaders, uh, just cause of their clear, mm-hmm. um, measuring tools. It's always fun to know how long that fish was. Um, bump board or even just a measuring tape will work um uh, pliers long nose pliers a jaw spreader which is uh, uh like a spring loaded um, i don't yeah. know how you'd explain it yeah, it's, it's just a device that their mouths they have so many teeth and have such good clamping pressure with their jaws that 
slipping it in there, it it basically forces their mouth back open mm-hmm. uh, so that you can remove the hook safely for right. the fish. Yeah. Um, I think there is some controversy I've I've read about with the jaw spreaders. I know like if people use them on I think on smaller Small fish, fish they can yeah. puncture through their whole uh, their mouth mm-hmm. and that's not very good. But on larger fish, I think their their jaw plate is I don't know if not their jaw plate, but the, the roof of their mouth is thicker and thicker. less likely to cause uh, yeah. actual harm. And I think getting that hook out of their mouth efficiently mm-hmm. is probably more more prudent. Yeah than a jaw spreader but uh yeah i only use the jaw spreader if the if the hooks are deep enough that i can't see them yep and so i'd use that as a tool to be able to see what's going on um and then also a hook cutter like a good i use a nipex it looks like just a mini bolt cutter because it's a lot better to just cut the hook than to sit there yanking at a hook that's stuck in a fish's mouth yep Um, you could really damage a fish so cutting a hook that hook will come out Eventually, there's been a lot of studies that I've seen in Muskie Hunter magazine about um, fish that are able to get rid of hooks that are stuck in their mouth, um, and it's at a really high rate. They're pretty efficient at it. That's something I've learned with trout fishing. Uh, you know, I got into other sorts of fishing, but you know, freshwater, um, sort of still water they call it on in lakes. Uh, fishing prior to uh, trout, and that you know, seeing blood wasn't uncommon. Um, and oftentimes the fish swims away pretty readily mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. Well, with yeah. trout, you know, I think if you see blood, they're pretty much, that's a dead they're fish. Toast. Yeah. Like that's, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so just learning how to handle fish from the trout side of things is, is just being so much more delicate. I've taken that now back to lake fish and, and saying, how can we really limit this like let's let's take care of fish quickly uh if we need to cut a hook let's do that um instead of wrenching around there with the pliers Mm -hmm. you know creating a bunch of damage just to get it out quickly like they're not that hardy Um, so that's something to keep in mind one thing that i also will say and this really has nothing to do with fall tips but it's just kind of one of my pet peeves um because ultimately the preservation of the resource is at number one and so taking care of that fish mm-hmm. to me is is really important and uh, there's a facebook group that i'm in with some musky fishermen and they they posted they caught this 48 inch musky and the picture of it was it laying in the bottom of the boat um and that's really bad for a fish so if you catch a fish and you get it in the net um, it's really common for new fishermen to like scoop a fish up in the net and then lift the net up and then set it in the bottom of the boat, which, um, is not good for the fish. Keep it in the water. So scoop the musky up in the net and then just let that bag of the net hang in the water with the fish in it mm-hmm. and then take care of everything in the boat. So have somebody holding onto the net so it doesn't fall into the lake, but then that's when you, um, get your camera musky still sitting in the water that's when you get your pliers and your jaw spreaders if you need it that's when you move all the other rods out of the way the musky's still breathing it's still recovering from a fight um that's when you dip the the measuring the bump board in the water and you put it in the boat and then once everything is set up that's when you you know meanwhile everybody's getting all that stuff while you're taking the hook out Mm -hmm. And then once that's ready, everybody's in place to make a real quick picture. 
Yep. You know, and measurement. And so the rule of thumb is you only want that muskie out of the water for as long as you can hold your breath. I've never actually done that. Like I've never grabbed a muskie and then <gasps> I held my breath. Um, but it's a good kind of thing to keep in mind. Yep. You know, 30 seconds to a minute is about what you got. Yep. And then put it back in the water. Take yep. your picture quick, get a measurement, and then put it back in the water. Okay. And then uh, just let the, hold the muskie by the tail once it's in the water and just let it breathe. It's kind of a misnomer that you should pull a fish back and forth. Don't do that because water going backwards through a fish's gills doesn't allow it to breathe. It suffocates it. So um, a fish is good enough at breathing on its own, sitting stationary in the water. So just let it sit there. Okay. And then once you feel it start to tense up and start um, using its fin to balance itself, give it a little, just a little push and watch it swim away and to me that's that's the best part okay cool well i think we covered a lot of the personal gear items rod lures net pliers um that'll get you a long ways uh we talked a lot about uh sort of implicitly needing a boat early on Mm -hmm. but i think there's some opportunities for shore fishermen too especially in the fall when they're moving in Mm -hmm. now it's lake dependent obviously but is there any recommendations you have for the shore fisherman who has no access to boat? Because I think that's a big barrier for a lot of people. If to get a boat or to know somebody with a boat may just sort of eliminate you from the whole conversation. I think, you know, yeah. you can go find muskies other ways too. I think I think a lake muskies poses a little bit more of a challenge because getting catching a muskie from the shore kind of implies that you are able to reach the weed line. Mm-hmm. from shore which can you know some lakes that's 50 to 100 yards from the shore so that can be a little bit more tricky um, but river fishing muskies from shore works pretty well you know find a find the a river in minnesota the st croix river has got a good muskie population in it so does the mississippi river um and in the fall the the suckers are running big time in the in the rivers so um finding those tributaries to mississippi where the suckers are starting to move into shallow water you can find muskies real close to shore okay. so they'll be in pretty pretty tight to shore because that's where the that's where the suckers are that's typically where structure is on a river too yep you know that's where the the down logs are that's where the rock piles are uh that's where you know the weeds are typically pretty sh- close to shore um, and so that's where the muskies will be. So if you're going to try to catch a muskie from the shore, if you don't have a boat or maybe you just have a canoe or something like that, finding a river that holds muskies in the fall would, would be pretty productive. And you can fish them in all the same ways that I mentioned before. Suckers, catch, casting big, big, um, bulldogs, big rubber okay. baits, things like that. It's still going to be a heck of a challenge, but the opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. So you can get out and go find them. Yeah, typically the people that, that uh, I've introduced to it, all it really takes is to see a muskie for the first time, like one chasing your bait or, you know, have one on and lose it or something like that. And you get the, you get the itch pretty fast. It's, yep. it's, uh, it's easy to become addicted to, which is good. Yeah. Very good.
Well, I think that's going to wrap up week three here of uh, First Time Outdoors. Hopefully we gave you some insight into another aspect of uh, something you can do in the fall here um, with musky fishing. We're going to get into other aspects of fishing and um, probably a lot more in-depth on muskies and and other types of fishing in in coming episodes, but wanted to give you a little overview, kind of a high-level view of musky fishing here as the... uh, Water temperatures plummet and things start to look good in the musky waters. If there's uh, any questions that you have, and if there's something that we um, covered that you're still confused about or something that we didn't cover that you're curious about, please send us a DM on Instagram. Again, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. Or if there's something that you want to hear us talk about in general um, on this podcast, let us know. Yep. First time at doors on Instagram. Um, and Twitter as well. Mm -hmm. So thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Make sure to get outside and enjoy something new. Uh, Let us know what you're up to and take somebody else with you for the first time. We will see you next week, guys. Thanks a lot.